This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Live from the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox and Friends, it's America's receptive voice. Brian Thanks so much Kilmeade. for listening. Coming to you from New York and heard around the country, heard around the world. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. We're going to talk to a tech expert shortly about what's happening with social media and uh, what we can expect in the future, not just about Donald Trump and trying to X him out of our minds. Congressman Michael Waltz is going to be asked to take a vote today on impeachment. How will he vote? Because at least five Republicans, unlike the last time last year, they had an impeachment vote, have already said, I will not vote. Uh, I will vote to impeach the president, even though he is out next Wednesday. Unbelievable. I'm not saying I love this speech. I'm not saying I love that he uh, thought it was a great idea having to walk to the Capitol. I'm not saying that he expected something big. I'm not saying it made sense to tell uh, Vice President Pence if you have the guts to overturn the Electoral College. None of that. But this was a typical Trump speech. The one you fire up people in 18 degrees in Wisconsin and everyone is packed out. Same thing in Georgia on down. I just don't understand why so many Republicans say now this is where the rubber hits the road, including Mitch McConnell. Let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. The hospitals made sense as the early distribution sites when the focus was on health care workers. But they are not where most Americans go to get vaccines. States should move on. Yes, I guess the vaccine push, lowering the age, broadening the criteria, prioritizing seniors and teachers, which should mean kids are back in school, right? Not according to the unions who are demanding kids get shots. The problem is the FDA never did a test on kids with shots. Do you mind if we don't do it because of you? Number two. I think that big tech is doing a horrible thing for our country and to our country. And I believe it's going to be a catastrophic mistake for them. They're dividing and divisive. Uh, Donald Trump, the tech crackdown on President Trump. We finally heard from him. YouTube suspends the president's account for at least seven days as Parler fights for its life and two more mammoth corporations pull their support for Republicans. Trump is defiantly fighting back, as you just heard, and we should all be alarmed beyond the president. Number one. People close to McConnell took it a step further last night with Mike Allen and said there's a better than 50-50 chance that he would vote, not just that he supports impeachment, that he would vote to convict, that he would oust the president of the United States from his party, from politics for good, because he wouldn't be able to run uh, for president again. But when? Jim Vandehei, impeachment 2.0, out of bounds as President Trump is almost out of time. But stunningly, this time, Republicans seem to be joining Dems and looking to push him out, as you just heard, including McConnell, as you just heard confirmed, with a colossal risky, what a colossal risky waste of valuable time better spent on the pandemic and the people and fighting off China and finding out what exactly happened in Wuhan. But I digress. We have deaths are up 49 percent. Cases are up about 30 percent over the last 14 days. We had a vaccine. We promised 20 million by January 1st. That didn't happen. 100 million by the end of the month. It has not happened. We're at nine total. Hey, governors, 
Get it together. Whatever the federal government needs in terms of a check, uh, please get it to them. Uh, ask for it. And then you know, I'll go ahead and point a finger if you don't get it. But now you're opening up stadiums. Now you're opening up ships. Now you're opening up arenas. What were you thinking for the last year? Even the last two months. It's not like they're using them. So let's talk about impeachment. They're going to do it, pass a resolution in a simple Democratic majority without one Dem straying. They will impeach the president. And then it'll go to the Senate. But the Senate's not going into session until next Tuesday. So when they go in next Tuesday, they're going to be set to just welcome in the next president the next day, who's got confirmation needed for all of his cabinet secretaries, right? And then we got a situation where we have to get a vaccine out, correct? And then you got to worry about the military and the traditional transition of power things. Isn't that right? But instead, we're worried about this. As Jonathan Turley says, nobody's happy about what happened last Wednesday. But this is not the answer. Cut 13. I don't fault any member uh, who views this as an impeachable offense to vote that way. Uh, this is These are close questions. My misgiving is over the use of a snap impeachment. Uh, they did not even hold a single hearing to talk about the implications of creating this type of fast track to impeachment. And so impeachment is not supposed to be some bang-bang play. It's not supposed to uh, happen on impulse. It's designed uh, for the opposite purpose. So my main objection is the lack of any hearing at all looking at the implications of what they're doing. There's also real questions there about the underlying charge. I do not believe that what the president said would qualify as criminal incitement. It's called a speech, a typical Trump speech. And when he puts up a defense, if he has any type of attorney, they're going to say, were you upset on this date? Were you upset on this speech? Were you upset in 2015, 2016, 2017? Was there any violence that happened any other single time? Is the real story the lack of security? I said this on Monday of last week, and I got blowback for it. It was on Mediaite. I said flat out, the, wait a second, the president's giving a speech the day they're going to bang in the Electoral College vote at the White House? Why would he do that? It's going to create anarchy. Now, I had no idea there was going to be almost no security, that a lot of these Trump supporters were out of their minds— a lot of these idiots thought they could breach, even tried to breach security. I can't get through there with a pen and my watch on and my belt. I don't know how the hell they got all through those doors. But they did. We've seen the video. The more we know about it, the more horrific it is. You cannot say it's Antifa, but I digress. So because it happened, because it was brutally violent, because it was predicated on the president's speech and the day the Electoral College was banged in, which they officially did, president's now on speaking terms again with his vice president. Imagine that. Now you have nine impeachment managers and in your face, Eric Swalwell is one of them. That clown's been totally defamed and unmasked as uh, giving up secrets perhaps to a would-be intern that happened to be a Chinese spy. So Republicans in favor of impeachment, this guy, Congressman John Katko of New York, Liz Cheney, which is huge. I think she could run for president one day. I have enormous amount of respect for her, but she just cannot go along with the president, and the president's upset about it. Adam Kinzinger, we saw that. He's a friend of the show. Uh, Congressman Fred Upton and uh, Congressman Butler are all out. I imagine since, you know, any, uh, Kevin McCarthy is not telling anyone how to vote. There's going to be a lot of Republicans that join that list. It doesn't matter. You just need a simple majority. So when it goes to the Senate, you know Romney's out. You know Ben Sass is out. You know Murkowski's out. But if Mitch McConnell, if this report is true, and it basically is, 
He's furious. He blames President Trump for losing the Georgia races. Actually, I do too. But he says there's a better than better than 50-50 chance that McConnell would vote to convict President Trump in an impeachment trial. That, according to the New York Times, why this matters, according to Axios, it would represent one of the most shocking and damning votes in the history of the American politics by the most powerful Republican in Congress. McConnell's vote would open the door to the possibility that Trump could be convicted and possibly run out of office and not run again, of course. And, you know, you need 17 votes. How many others are upset that the president attacks him? President attacks everybody. Uh, Republican, Democrat, man, woman, black, white, uh, Hispanic, Asian, doesn't matter. He looks at them, what they do, and, and reacts appropriately in his mind. Alan Dershowitz, on where we go from here, he is asked to be part of the Trump team. They have not called him back. Cut 14. The Constitution makes it clear you can only remove by a two-thirds vote. If you then remove, you can also disqualify, but you can't just disqualify. That's not possible under the Constitution. So it would be unconstitutional to impeach the president, then put off the trial until after he leaves the office, and he's an ordinary citizen. Because if they can do that, Sean, they can impeach you and me, because we can run for president as well in 2024. It's unbelievable. So that's what they're going to do. He's going to be at Mar-a-Lago golfing and get impeached in a month when Joe Biden fixes the pandemic and gets everyone confirmed. Please. What a joke. They say uh, when asked, Mitch McConnell, when asked, can you do this? Hey, Mitch, can you actually run an impeachment trial and confirm my people? You know what he said? Hey, Joe, I'll ask the parliamentarian. How about the answer is this? Joe, no. Run the country. The guy's gone. He has no effect on you. Move on. Vivek Ramaswamy will be with us next, CEO of the biotech company Ryovent Sciences and author of the forthcoming book, Woke Inc. We're going to talk about the, the high-tech, big-tech takedown of the president of the United States. How will Congressman Michael Waltz vote? I think I know. He's out of Florida. He's going to be with us shortly. Don't move. It's Brian Kilmeade. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. As many of you know from your own life experiences, a life in so-called blue-collar work is something to be proud of. It is very rewarding to work that has impact on your friends, your neighbors, and your family's lives. Great successes can be had in the blue-collar career. There's no degree requirement for achieving comfort, peace, and freedom. While schools cut shop classes and funnel students into colleges, there are plenty of options for hard workers who are ready to take advantage of open positions. Many young people today assume that college is the only way to achieve success in life. That is not true. Let me introduce you to Ken Rusk. Ken spent his younger years digging ditches and working in construction. He never went to college. Instead, he made goals, planned, and worked hard for 30 years. Now Ken is a successful entrepreneur with multiple businesses and revenue streams. In his national best-selling book, Blue Collar Cash, Ken shares his insights from over 30 years of working in blue-collar trades as an entrepreneur, mentor, and life coach. Now he's created a guide made specifically for you and your unique situation. This guide will give you or someone you love the tools you need to start designing the life of their dreams. You can achieve your dreams regardless of your educational background or your past. Go to KenRusk.com path to learn more. That's KenRusk.com path. 
breaking news, unique opinions. Hear it all on The Brian Kilmeade Show. Back in July of 2020, we had Congressman Devin Nunes, and this is like a really good example of the kind of censorship that's happening, is uh, he had a YouTube account for four years, and he amassed about 10,000 subscribers on his YouTube account. And he joined Rumble in July of 2020, and within six months, he's amassed over 500,000 subscribers on Rumble. So it's not because Rumble is bigger. And it's not because Rumble has better AI than YouTube, but uh, there's something definitely happening. Uh, there's a lot of things happening in the background that we don't know about, but clearly there's no reason why someone like an elected official should be able to grow so quickly on Rumble and not be able to grow anywhere else. Uh, Chris Pavlovsky, that was the CEO of Rumble, trying to find out why they've been marginalized by YouTube, which is owned by Google. They should not be surprised. It does not surprise, I imagine, Vivek Ramaswamy. He's CEO of biotech company called Reovent Sciences and author of the forthcoming book, Woke Inc. Vivek, are you shocked about what's happening now from Parler to Rumble uh, to other sites just being taken down along with the president? Am I shocked? No. Am I appalled as an American? Absolutely. And I think this, the direction we need to go isn't more regulation of these sites, because the real problem is the relationship that they have with liberal lawmakers in Congress. And, and, and so the argument that I made is that these guys, Google, Facebook, Twitter, I would argue Amazon as well, need to be treated as state actors because Congress effectively co-opted them legally to do the bidding of, of liberal lawmakers, both through the carrot of Section 230 and through the stick of congressional threats, which actually means that users ought to be protected with, on the basis of the First Amendment, even when they're using these websites. But it was Trump that used Facebook effectively more than anything else in 2016, and it humiliated the Silicon Valley. And man, did they get him back? Well, look, I, I think that the short answer is they did, but I think it goes far beyond President Trump. This is a much bigger issue for the long run, an issue that touches every American. And so, you know, look, in another week's time, Trump's not going to have access to the nuclear codes. He's not going to have access to a Twitter account. He'll be a private citizen. But the rest of us as Americans are going to be stuck with a new corporate monarchy with leaders who we never elected. And I thought we left Great Britain 250 years ago to avoid monarchy. Instead, we've recreated this new monarchy based in Silicon Valley. So what do you say to people who go, well, these are private companies, Twitter, Google, Amazon, Apple. Uh, back off. Let America uh, free enterprise take root. Is this American free enterprise? So, so look, no one's, you're not going to find a bigger advocate for free enterprise than me. But what we're seeing in action isn't actually free enterprise. We're seeing the growth of this woke industrial complex that's effectively serving as a new state. And, and the reason is Congress dispatched these companies to do what it couldn't do directly by giving them specifically liability shielding from censoring protected speech. And then those same lawmakers threaten them and say, if you don't actually censor this speech, you're going to get censured. You're going to get regulated even further. To me, that's just state action in private enterprise clothing. And many lawmakers even gave them an attaboy after they did it. So if this was the other way around and the tables were turned and this related to a different issue like abortion or anything else, progressives would instantly see the constitutional problem. But the basic principle applies whether you're progressive or liberal. You ought to be concerned about this. Uh, Vivek, did they get any subsidies to take uh, to launch and to continue to thrive besides Amazon and others paying very little taxes because they get taxed in different ways? Amazon, Google, yep. Apple? 
they have a big subsidy. The subsidy is Section 230 liability protection. It's, a, it's an immunity shield, which says that even though, let's say, an ordinary publisher, take my hometown in Cincinnati, the Cincinnati Inquirer, it is not shielded from defamation liability suits. It cannot indiscriminately you know, avoid being sued in state court for acting punitively towards individual publishers of content. However, these social media companies have a special shield. They cannot be sued in state court because of this federal statute, Section 230 of the Communications Decency Act that Congress passed. That's the biggest subsidy without which none of these companies would have been social media behemoths. Guess who's... But the problem, right, go ahead. You know, the problem is even if we repeal it now, I was just going to say a quick thing, was if we repeal it now, it's too late because <laughs> they're, already, they're already behemoths. The question is what we do now. So I think the answer is really in court. So I got to take Twitter down. It's so dangerous. You know what's on Twitter right now? Hashtag kill Trump. Hashtag arrest Trump. Hashtag assassinate Trump. A quote, someone take, uh, take out that clown now. You know what else is on Twitter? Uh, uh, pigs in a blanket. Fry them like bacon. You know what else is on Twitter? There are three different Antifa accounts. And you know who's upset about all this? The Brazilian president, the Mexican prime minister, EU officials, uh, Angela Merkel. They are not fans. Well, in some cases, they're not even fans of the president. The Australian acting president came out and says, what are we doing here? Uh, Michael McCormick said, how can you totally shut down a world leader? Well, by the way brought up Maduro, a brutal dictator who's destroyed a country, continues to thrive on social media without retribution. How could you possibly buy these standards? Well, I'll tell you one thing. You gotta, here's, the, here's the sleeping giant in all of this. Watch China. Xi Jinping's watching what's happening over here. Over the last several weeks, late in the early part of this year and late last year, he made Jack Ma, the wealthiest guy in China, disappear for many weeks. Now you turn to the United States, and it's Jack Dorsey that made the president of the United States disappear. And if he can do it to President Trump, he can do it to any democratically elected president going forward as well. And I think in the longer run, China sees the, the tr- true monarchy in the United States is actually run out of Silicon Valley, not out of the three-branch government we have in Washington, D.C. And I want to watch those linkages between the CCP and Silicon Valley really closely because once they understand that's the seat of power here – that's the next logical step from a geopolitical perspective. Speaking of that, Tim Cook runs Apple, asked why he took down Parler, the number one app in his app store, and was turning into a place for conservatives to go. Cut 25. Parler has some issues with moderation. There are some uh, incitement to violence examples on there, and they need to step it up on the moderation. And I'm, our hope is that they do that and get back on the store. Oh, so they could get back on the store? They could? Yes, we suspended them. We did not ban them. Well, because the CEO, as you know, he's raising issues about his right to the First Amendment. What do you say about that concern? We have terms of service for our app store. And some of those terms of service. Well, I'm, I'm he, tired of that, but that's pretty. He says, I'll, I would put it back. The blowback, the same day you, you shelve the president, you uh, also take down Parler and they put it a mocking emoji. Uh, does the CEO of Twitter gives a mocking emoji over uh, the parlor response of being suspended. So you can just know these guys are supposedly in competition, but they're really not when it comes to competition for them, right? Right. It's not a monopoly of products. They compete against one another when it comes to selling products and, and, and taking money from consumers. But when it comes to the ideas, it's an idea-based cartel. And that's a more dangerous cartel than we've ever had in this country. Getting back to John D. Rockefeller, back in those days, they were still only in the marketplace. Now it's in the marketplace for ideas that we see this monopoly. And to me, that's the biggest threat to American democracy. I look forward to your book, Woke Inc. When's it coming out? It's coming out in August. 
All right, so we have some time. But uh, Vivek uh, Ramaswamy, thanks so much. Appreciate your expertise, especially now. Thank you. All right, uh, we come back. Congressman Michael Waltz, will he be speaking on behalf of the president or against the president? The impeachment proceedings have already started. We'll dip in and out throughout the show. Don't move. Brian Kilmeade Show, another historic day. So glad you're here with us. Jason in the House, the Jason Chaffetz Podcast. Dive deeper than the headlines and the party lines as I take on American life, politics, and entertainment. Subscribe now on foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. The fastest three hours in radio. You're with Brian Kilmeade. To be able to defeat somebody, you have to have a counterforce, a counter leader. Who's that leader? Who's going to stand up to Donald Trump on a regular basis other than Mitch McConnell that would have the sort of clout that it would take to be able to push him back? And I think that's what's one of, one of the things going through McConnell's mind. And by the way, Liz Cheney's mind. Pay a lot of attention to her. She's somebody who could yeah. be the next speaker yeah. of the House for Republicans or at least party leader. Obviously, her father has deep roots. Uh, deep roots in the in the in the party, they have an ability to raise a lot of money. So it matters that the two of them have essentially uh, unofficially tag teamed to try to take Trump out. And Axios is reporting that there's a better than fifty fifty chance that Senator Mitch McConnell would vote to convict President Trump in an impeachment trial. Uh, the New York Times reported that McConnell has told associates he believes President Trump committed impeachable offenses. Uh, and if he gives the green light, what does that do for the Senate? Right now, they're debating it uh, on the House floor. Tom Cole is speaking on behalf of the president, not really strong on behalf of the president, just on the behalf of practicality. Really? He's leaving Wednesday. What don't you understand about one week? Congressman Michael Waltz joined us, House Armed Services Committee uh, member, former senior advisor of counterterrorism for Vice President Dick Cheney. Congressman, welcome back. Yeah, thank thank you, Brian. And and uh, we're on, on our way down to the floor to, to engage in this debate. So where do you stand? Well, I just don't think uh, impeaching the president of the United States with with a week left in office when he's made it clear uh, that he uh, plans to peacefully you know, support a peaceful transition. Uh, he's made it clear that he's denounced uh, the violence uh, that that happened. Uh, you know, it would be different if he were saying we're going to have two commander in chiefs <laughs> uh, on, on, on January 20th. But that's not what he's saying. Uh, he is saying that he is going to to, to transition, and uh, President-elect uh, Biden uh, will take over. So, look, I, the thing that bothers me the most about this, Brian, is we I think we know about 10 percent of what happened on January 6th and why it happened. I, I just found out last night that there was an FBI field report uh, from uh, that reporting on some of these groups that were planning and coordinating uh, this hit on the Capitol. Uh, those pipe bombs didn't build themselves in the 10 minutes after uh, President Trump gave uh, gave his speech. This was a highly coordinated, uh, effective attack uh, that didn't materialize because the president gave a speech. There's a lot to learn, and we found out the Capitol Police didn't have that information. So there's, there's a, a lot to understand. Uh, still, there is no investigation that's happened yet. Uh, any American, especially the president of the United States, should be afforded due process, at least a chance to defend themselves. Uh, and, and that's not what's happening here. We're going to a snap impeachment. Uh, the Democrats have weaponized impeachment. 
Uh, and, I, you know, ultimately, on top of those two things, I think this is just bad and divisive for the country. Uh, you know, there are so many people who uh, elected this president because they didn't feel heard. They were tired of being called privileged as they were struggling economically under uh, then-President Obama. They've seen him hounded and harangued and harassed since day one under false pretenses of the Russia investigation. Now they're being told they can't go to church, they can't go to school, they can't go to work, they can't even get online. Uh, and we've always told Americans to take out your grievances at the ballot box. Now they doubt the, uh, you know, the, the fairness of that. Uh, we need to simmer down as a country, take a step back. And the last thing we need is Speaker Pelosi going for the throat with her, you know, with this kind of personal vendetta. So I have a lot of respect for the other Republicans um, that, that are now going to vote for this effort. I have a lot of respect for their interpretation of the Constitution and them as as members, but I just disagree with them at this point in time with a week left in the presidency that, that doing this is good for the country. All right, so what about Liz Cheney, uh, the third-ranking Republican, yeah. saying this is impeachable, I'm, gonna, I'm going to vote to impeach, you work for her dad? Yeah, well, I did, and I have uh, a, a lot of respect for Vice President Cheney and uh, for for Liz Cheney. Uh, I, I do. Uh, but, you know, at the end of the day, high crime and misdemeanor, a crime, you have to talk about intent. Uh, and I do not think the president intended for anyone to be harmed. I don't think he intended for the Capitol to be stormed. People tell me, Brian, all the time, every day, go and fight in Congress. Go and fight for me. Go and fight for this issue. They don't mean it literally, and nor uh, do I think the president meant it literally. Do I think there was, uh, you know, we have to be very careful with our words as elected leaders, and he should have been much more careful. Uh, I would have liked to have seen him denounce it much more strongly and much more quickly uh, what happened. But I don't think that is a uh, – I, I don't think that rises to the level of a crime. We could talk about poor judgment, but that's not a crime. And then separately as representatives, we just have to look at, again, what's good for the country. And in this divisive, explosive time, uh, I, I just – with a week left, I, I, I don't – I don't. I just don't think it's a good idea at all. I think it's a very bad idea. Well, I mean, it looks like you're doing it now. The debate has begun. When do you think you'll have the actual vote? And do you believe that Mitch McConnell will rush and get the Senate together uh, tomorrow or Friday or over the weekend? Yeah, he. I, I don't know if he's going to change his position. Uh, I, so to answer your first question, I think there's going to be extensive debate. It'll be it'll be sometime today, but later in the day. Uh, I do, you know, uh, there was some question about whether Speaker Pelosi would send it over or hold. Uh, she is going to send it over. And under the Senate rules, uh, they have to stop everything uh, and deal with impeachment. So that's a full trial. So you know, President-elect Biden, you know, won't have nominations. Uh, you know, he, this, this, will, this will dominate the beginning of his administration. Um, and, you know, I, what, what has me, again, disturbed is we're going to have an investigation at the same time you're having a trial, uh, or we won't have an investigation complete to really understand what happened, who was involved, and when. And the FBI you know, yesterday said this is the most extensive investigation they've ever undertaken. It's going to take some time, uh, but yet we're going, to, we're going to try the president for a crime. No doubt about it. If you look at the website, if you look at the social media postings from the people that have been caught, I mean, they're Trump supporters, right? There's no doubt about it. 
Uh, look, Brian, I was there. Uh, maybe, maybe not. You know, there were some Antifa mixed in, but these were uh, these were Trump supporters. Uh, they uh, this was a mob that ransacked our capital. Uh, I do want to say I don't think in any way uh, these, you know, however many were there represent the tens of thousands of law abiding rule of law Republicans who love this country. Many of them from my district, we prayed together. They stopped by my office beforehand. We're there to peacefully protest, make their voice heard. Uh, I, I just want to be clear. I don't like that the media are lumping them together with every Trump supporter out there. Uh, I, I don't think that's fair or accurate at all. Um, but this was not uh, an, an Antifa ruse uh, either, and I want to completely debunk that. I saw the folks that were there. I saw what happened, uh, and this was a mob that – that attempted to take over our capital. So uh, the president of the United States is not uh, backing down at all. He said this, cut four. The impeachment hoax is a continuation of the greatest and most vicious witch hunt in the history of our country and is causing tremendous anger and division and pain far greater than most people will ever understand, which is very dangerous for the USA, especially at this very tender time. So... I don't know if the, this qualifies for a witch hunt. Do you think this is unending hate, or do you think this is uh, do you think it's a vendetta? Well, I do think I think both can be true, uh, Brian. I, I, I think that there is has absolutely been a personal vendetta against this president uh, since day one. Members of Congress saying he's illegitimate before he even swore in, uh, you know, saying he was a Russian Russian agent, and that the 2016. Uh, uh, election was was illegitimate, uh, and in fact, you know, as as we've talked about, uh, ten Democrats objected to the 2016 election and objected to the electors from 11 states. So I do think that that uh, they have been after this president. There is, you know, Trump uh, derangement syndrome. I've seen it firsthand. Uh, but I, you know, at, at the end of the day, I agree with the president that this is bad for the country at this time. He has made it clear. You know, he had a non-concession concession, uh, and has made it clear right. that he supports a peaceful transfer, and that's what we should be focused on. Lastly, uh, Congressman uh, Congressman Michael Waltz, a Republican out of uh, Florida, Republicans in favor of impeachment, uh, Congressman Katko, Cheney, Kinzinger, Upton, uh, Bootler. Uh, how many more do you think will add, be added to that list, if any? Uh, I, I don't know, Brian. I, everyone that I've talked to is struggling with this. They're struggling with wanting you know, uh, uh, some accountability and to make it clear that this was unacceptable, but whether this is good for the country at the time. And, and to one other piece in terms of motivation that I want to clarify, uh, once if there is a trial in the, in the Senate, uh, and if the president is convicted, which I find it hard to believe there will be two-thirds of the Senate, there will be a, there would be have to be a separate motion after that to prevent him uh, from running again. Uh, there are some saying, you know, some with a two-time impeachment from the House that prevents him running. That's not the case. There would have to be a conviction and wow. then a separate motion passed. Didn't know that. I want you to hear what AOC said yesterday. Thirty-six. I myself did not even feel safe going to the that extraction point because there were QAnon and white supremacist sympathizers and frankly, white supremacist members of Congress um, in that extraction point who I know and who I had felt 
would disclose my location and allow me to, um, who would create opportunities to allow me to be hurt, kidnapped, etc. And so I didn't even feel safe around other members of Congress. And to be kind of fending for yourself in that way is traumatizing. So do she fears white supremacist members of Congress? Do you know any of these white supremacist members of Congress? I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, 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 that's just ridiculous on the face of it, on top of so many ridiculous things from, from AOC. And let's not, you know, I, I, again, Brian, th- this is the time uh, for people to step up, to lead, to talk kind of common sense, to focus on the Constitution and focus on moving the country forward. And if Joe Biden was serious about his calls for unity, uh, he would be focused on next week and step up and be the leader that that um, that he pretends to be that we many of us fear he doesn't have the strength to be and and call the country together and move the country forward. But instead, we're going to have these partisan attacks. And now AOC's thing and she she fears attacks from fellow members of Congress. It's just ridiculous on the face of it. Leslie, I just want you to hear Mikey Sherrill, a Republican, uh, in New, a Democrat in New Jersey. I also intend to see mm-hmm. that those members of Congress who embedded him, those members of Congress who had groups coming through the Capitol that I saw on January 5th, a reconnaissance for the next day, those members of Congress that incited this violent crowd, those members of Congress that attempted to help our president undermine our democracy, I'm going to see that they're held accountable and, if necessary, ensure that they don't serve in Congress. Who's she talking about? What is she talking about? They, she said she saw Republicans January 5th touring people through the Capitol, and she thinks it was reconnaissance missions to help the rioters. Yeah, I mean, that's just – that's deranged. I, I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know where they're coming from. But what you are hearing there is this kind of purge mentality, you know, whether it is Harvard you know, purging uh, uh, Representative Stefanik from their board, whether it is – you know, em- employers going after people who attended a peaceful rally had nothing to do uh, uh, w- with that mob. This is the cancel culture uh, that has permeated uh, with big tech and now and, and now members of Congress. Look, Brian, it, the day before we had an all Republican meeting uh, and a debate over the constitutionality of objecting. It sounded like a constitutional convention. Fourteenth uh, Amendment, Twelfth Amendment, uh, Article Two, all of those issues playing out. There was not a mention of the president. This is taking our constitutional uh, authorities, states versus Congress, uh, uh, state legislatures versus election officials, very seriously. Uh, it is a time to sit aside those partisan attacks. No me- member of Congress is is looking to attack another. Um, at least from our side, uh, but you know this is the kind of purge mentality that mm-hmm. that we're going to see, and it's only going to further divide the country. And I have an opinion. My opinion is I don't even think Donald Trump knew that there were this many violent supporters that he had. And the fact is that people uh, that I know who support the president, not on everything, but most things, are being threatened. Whether they're Lindsey Graham walking through airports, or yeah. the vice president them chanting "Hang Pence." If anybody thinks well, the president wants that to happen, uh, you're crazy. Yeah, no, and, and Brian, what has me so upset is it's overshadowing all of the good that that the amazing things uh, that we got accomplished that affected so many millions of Americans' lives: tax reform, justice reform, equal opportunity zones, veterans reform, rebuilding the military, Middle East peace, you know, the pivot 
rightly on on China and on and on and on. And I think that's what we need to be talking about going forward. That's what conservatives and Republicans need to be talking about because our ideas are, uh, and gotcha. and our our legislation for the country is far better than what the progressives are about to offer and what you're about to see. Uh, and but but we have to talk about it differently. We have to talk about it in a way that appeals. Mm-hmm. Uh, to Americans rather than, uh, you know, this vitriol and attacking the other side. Congressman Michael Waltz, thanks so much from the 6th District over in Florida. Congressman, see you soon. All right. God bless. All right. 1-866-408-7669. The impeachment proceedings have begun. When they they bring you something that I think you need to hear, I'll be sure to tap in. But up until now, same stuff. Newsmakers and newsbreakers. Hear it first. Only on the Brian Kilmeade Show. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, download and listen to The Untold Story with Martha McCallum. The host of The Story on Fox News Channel sits down with major newsmakers each week to get their untold story. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. The talk show that's getting you talking. You're with Brian Kilmeade. Trump causes the anger. He causes the the divisiveness. He foments the violence and blames others for it. That is despicable. The technique Trump is using is used by the worst dictators the globe has ever seen. Uh, That is Senator Schumer. That's the way he went in with the president, and that's the way they're going out. Senator Schumer is going to be majority leader. And as I mentioned before, it's because the president totally screwed up the Georgia election. But if you ask me in one week left, you think less— the president should be impeached when I know there's so much stuff to do. And in your state, Senator Schumer, why don't you care more about opening up City Field, Yankee Stadium, and getting those vaccines in the arms of people so you can get your city back to work if you weren't playing pure politics along with your governor? Ben, you're in Jacksonville, Florida. Hey, Ben. Good morning again, Patriot. I have a suggestion. I'm not an attorney. I did not stay at a Holiday Inn Express. However, as a stockbroker for over 40 years, I know there is a mechanism, legal that stockholder, uh, stock shareholders rather, can take redress against these platforms. It is called a class action suit. Because of management's decisions, they have caused an irreparable harm in terms of the decline in the value of those shares. Not much, though. The shares aren't dropping that much to get a class action suit. $5 billion is a significant amount for just one stock, Twitter. So it does create an element that People who bought it I know, Ben, but it's bouncing back already. It's just a matter of days. They're not going to feel it for for a, for a year or so, uh, and I hope they feel it for good. But they are basically kicking everybody off, uh, and everybody off that is not going to help them politically with the Democratic Party. I just don't think that has a shot, but I understand, and that shows great resourcefulness from yours in your part. I'll be getting to more calls. We'll talk about this historic day as impeachment continues uh, the biggest waste of time on the House floor. I'm not saying it wasn't serious last Wednesday. I'm saying this is not the remedy. It's the Hammer Time Podcast. Fox News Channel's Bill Hammer takes you one-on-one with engaging personalities covering the critical issues of the day. Find Hammer Time now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News. From the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, giving you opinions and facts with a positive approach. It's Brian Kilmeade. 
Another historic day. Hi, everybody. Brian Kilmeade coming to you from New York. Heard around the country. Heard around the world. Brian Kilmeade Show. Senator Rick Scott's going to be joining us from Florida. He's in charge of getting that Senate back in Republican hands. He'll be joining us. Also, a good friend of the president's, at least was. Lonnie Chen is here. Uh, Lonnie Chen from the Hoover Institute used to work for Mitt Romney. We are watching now the beginning of another proceeding of impeachment. Jim Jordan now behind the microphone. No doubt where his loyalties lie. The Republicans are having trouble keeping their caucus together because of uh, the riots on Wednesday. No doubt about it. Um, not uh, what the president did, having a speech when the Electoral College is going to be gaveled in is wrong. No doubt about it. Saying go to the Capitol and protest is wrong. He never, I know for a fact, never thought people were going to look to breach uh, the perimeter. Why? Because he's been in front of his audience nonstop for five years minimum. And they're not a violent group. And less challenged. And we've seen that. And I don't think anybody argues with that. But this group of people that showed up were violent. And most were his supporters. I've never seen anything like it. But as the arrest happened, about 170 so far, we're seeing it. And what has happened since is is mind-blowing, head-spinning. So let's get to the big three. Then I'll get to Lonnie. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. Hospitals made sense as the early distribution sites when the focus was on health care workers. But they are not where most Americans go to get vaccines. States should move on. It's unbelievable we're still going over this since the vaccine was brought into the market a month ago. The vaccine push, lowering the age, broadening the criteria, prioritizing seniors and teachers, which should mean kids back in school, right? Not according to the unions. We're also demanding, by the way, in California that kids get shots. The only problem is the FDA hasn't approved children getting those shots. Does that matter? Number two. I think that big tech is doing a horrible thing for our country and to our country. And I believe it's going to be a catastrophic mistake for them. They're dividing and divisive. Donald Trump. Tech crackdown on President Trump is pretty pervasive, comprehensive. YouTube suspends him for at least seven days. Parler fights for its life. And two more mammoth corporations pull their support for Republicans. Trump is defiantly fighting back. We should all be alarmed, though. Number one. People close to McConnell took it a step further last night with Mike Allen and said there's a better than 50-50 chance that he would vote, not just that he supports impeachment, that he would vote to convict, that he would oust the president of the United States from his party, from politics for good, because he wouldn't be able to run for president again. Uh, we just found out they need a second resolution to make sure he couldn't run for president again. Jim Vandehei, impeachment 2.0, out of bounds. This president Trump is almost out of time. But stunningly, this time Republicans are joining Democrats in a look to push him out, including Mitch McConnell, perhaps. What a colossal risky waste of valuable time better spent on the pandemic and people. Lonnie Chen, you're in a tough spot, perhaps, as a research fellow at the Hoover Institute, studies uh, uh, of, of course, domestic policy studies at public um, public policy at Stanford University, work for Mitt Romney, bitter rivals now with Donald Trump. Where do you stand on this, with Mitch McConnell, oh, excuse me, with Liz Cheney, or with a guy like Jim Jordan? Hey, Brian, good morning. I, look, I, I think we've got, you raise a good point, we've got a lot of big problems we've got to solve as a country, and obviously what happened last week on the Capitol was awful. It was ugly. Nobody condones what happens. Uh, well, at least nobody that I know condones what happens. And I think we've got to ask ourselves, what is the best way for our country to move forward now? And I would much prefer for us to address the big problems that we face, for us to really think about how we can move ahead as a country together, because there are a lot of divisions, uh, than, than spending the precious time we have talking about the issues we're talking about now. 
Uh, I, I personally wish that President Trump had spoken out a little earlier as all the rioting was going on. Absolutely. I, think, I think you feel the same way, Brian. Yep. Uh, and, and he had an opportunity to do so. Uh, but now, you know, look, this this virus is real. I've always said it's real. We've got a big problem with that. We've got an economy, people struggling. And these are real problems. And, you know, Democrats have said for a long time these are real problems. But now all of a sudden they don't seem to be so real anymore. That's what bothers me about this whole conversation we're having now. Yeah, I mean, I just thought at one point when Mitch McConnell went up and said you, we should not be fighting this electoral college. Uh, and when he got up and said, we're going to go back to work here and they passed the Electoral College vote, I said, wow, we have an opportunity now. We hit rock bottom. Let's start getting something done. You know, investigate. It's happening. But we've got a week left. The inaugural is going to happen. Let's get something done. And it's just not happening. Um, so and just for the record, I think the president's acted since November 3rd, November 5th, when it became virtually official that he didn't win the election and all the election and all the judicial challenges went by the boards. I, I think it's been the president's worst month ever in his four years. Yeah. Handled it terribly. If he bowed out, did some reflective interviews, congratulated uh, Joe Biden, brought him in and did a transition George W. Bush style. We already watch approval ratings of his over 50 percent already. And then they'd be talking to any any, of course, probably would have won at least one of the two Senate runs. Instead, it wasn't it was all about him. Grievance, bad. He has got the worst legal team possible and lost every single challenge. Some weren't hurt. I get it. Frustrating. I understand it. But uh, what has happened since? I just it makes no sense. Um, he, and we're, we're seeing the ramifications of that. And it's destroying his legacy. Well, so, and, and here's ahead. the thing, Brian. I mean, you, you look back in the last couple of years, there's a lot of elements of what the president has done that we're going to look back on with some time and reflection and say, you know what? Those were good things. And a those lot. are things that made our country stronger, right? So we, we, we talk about, you know, we can go all the way back to the tax reform that did help to make the economy really strong. We talk about judges that the, the president has appointed and the Senate has confirmed so many judges who believe in the rule of law, not to mention justices of the Supreme Court like Amy Coney Barrett. I mean, how that wasn't that long ago. It, it seems like forever ago, but that was a really important thing. We, we see a regulatory environment that is much better for business and for job growth. And I mean, these are things that matter, not to say the rest of the stuff doesn't matter. It, it, it does. And I understand why people are upset. But fundamentally, there are things that, that have happened over the last couple of years that because the president has, has done what he's done since the election, people will lose sight of. And I think that's sad for the president. I think it's sad for the country. Yeah, we got 350 miles of wall financed, hopefully 450 finished. And you remember, Lonnie, when you do, you do these studies, the first thing Republicans want before they want to get comprehensive immigration reform is secure the border. Ronald Reagan never got that security. They're actually, if Joe Biden is savvy, He'll sit there and say, this is paid for. It's going to cost me too much money to stop it. I'm going to let them finish it. And then all of a sudden, Republicans might come to the table because they go, listen, they have secured the border. You know, the Remain in Mexico policy has worked. This, the, the Mexican Marines on the southern border of Mexico has worked. And we might actually get something done. So security reform, immigration reform, we always hear about it. We never get anything because people get dug in and then we have another election. So I thought that might be some street smart. I should also mention your advisor to Marco Rubio, who I hope one day runs for president again. Having said that, Lonnie, look at the Republican Party. Just pure what's better for the party for a second. Why would Mitch McConnell say what's better for the party is to possibly 
back impeachment, knowing that 74 million people voted for this president and about half will never, ever leave his side. How does that street smart politically? How does that show political street smarts? Well, here's the thing, Brian. I mean, whatever happens to the Republican Party going forward, it, it, it is going to be determined in no small part by people out there who have voted and supported for the Republican Party, right? I mean, it, it, it's one thing to have a conversation and say, okay, a bunch of people in Washington, they want to decide the fate of the Republican Party. Here's what they're going to do, blah, blah, blah. At, at the end of the day, it is the, it is the voters, it is the people of this country who are going to decide what happens with the Republican Party. And by the way, the people of the Republican Party, the grassroots of the Republican Party, they may end up deciding at some point, you know, it's time to move on from, from Donald Trump. It's time to move on yep. and let's talk about what's next. And if that's the conversation, let's have that conversation about the future of the party. I'm all for a conversation about what this party can stand for, what it should be for, having an actual governing vision so we can be responsible and responsive to the American people. That's the right answer. But it's not going to be up to any single politician to determine the future of the party. It's up to the people to determine that. Right. We've got to keep our eye on the ball in that way. I do think so. And, and the problem is I've never seen supporters like Donald Trump has. Uh, and and what he has is when you criticize him, and I get the blowback when I do, uh, when you criticize him, you criticize them. So there's got to be a way to somehow say, uh, don't do what Hillary Clinton did to them, call them deplorables, and there's got to be a way to do both, I thought. Do you predict that Mitch McConnell will not will, will reconvene the Senate before uh, the 19th and try to have a vote early? I, I don't think so. I mean, he, he has said already, look, that's that's the date they're going to come back. He's already talked about the, the importance of, you know, dealing with it, the kinds of issues we've talked about, whether it's it's the covid virus or or trying to deal with the economy or trying to find common ground where there exists. He's already said he's going to do that. So I, I, I don't think so. And I would also hesitate, by the way, to rely on third party sources and anonymous sources that say what other people think. Let's just actually hear what McConnell thinks from McConnell himself. I, I think you, that's really yeah. important, too. He's not shy. Uh, here's what Carl Rove said last night, cut 15. It could be that the, that the leader believes this is an inevitable. Uh, Speaker Pelosi has made it clear she intends to impeach the president, and this measure is coming to the Senate. And he may welcome that, uh, realizing that it's going to tie up the Senate for the first couple of weeks of uh, President Biden's term. Or it could be that he's had enough, that after Georgia, after all the charges of uh, stolen elections, after what happened on Wednesday, an assault on the Capitol, that, that uh, Leader McConnell has had enough and is welcoming the chance for the Senate to take up the issue. Doesn't necessarily guarantee that he's going to vote for impeachment, but he may recognize that having been impeached, even if he's not removed from office or can't be removed from office because he's already left, that this further uh, discredits uh, President Trump and may Makes it uh, makes it easier for uh, the party to move on beyond him. What do you think, former or the latter? Delay a game, or I've had it. Um, you know, let, let, let's not forget that Mitch McConnell is the ultimate uh, strategist and tactician. I mean, he understands how all these pieces work together better than anyone else. And, and I've got to think that he understands both the dynamic at play with Republican voters who support the president still as well as those within his party who he's working with who want to move on past the president. And he's trying to figure out the best way through all of this. So I have got to think that at the end of the day, he is making this decision 
you know, out of what he thinks is going to be best for the future of his group in the Senate, keeping the majority in the Senate Republican, hopefully winning that back in 2022 and looking ahead. I think he's focused on the strategy and I don't think it's personal in any way. Big tech ban. It's right where you live. It's right where you work. Silicon Valley. Uh, In 2016, one of your colleagues told me that uh, big tech is humiliated because Trump was able to use Facebook and win an election and shock the world more effective than anybody else. This digital uh, plan was fantastic. They seem to have marshaled forces in order to get him back, even though he's sometimes his own worst enemy. Silicon Valley combining to get rid of Pauler, combining to silence the president. Did they do the right thing? Big tech, you know, this is one of those things that that I find fascinating, Brian. It's like, how do you get on the wrong side of both conservatives and, by the way, liberals? Both sides cannot stand what big tech is doing for different reasons, obviously. Conservatives are are rightfully upset that big tech is using its power to silence certain voices but not others. I mean, look, it's one thing if you went on and said, all right, we're going to remove all of these different voices that we don't agree with, including, by the way, the voices of the communist Chinese government, the voices of the Ayatollah of Iran, right? Those voices are allowed to remain on Twitter and allowed to remain on social media, but other voices are silenced. Voices, by the way, that represent millions upon millions of American people. So what's become quite clear to me is that there is a need for reform here. And people who've been talking about reform of the federal law to get rid of those things that help protect big tech and allow them to operate essentially unabated and unrestricted. Those are things we need to look at seriously. And by the way, there is a coalition on right and left. It's not just people on the right saying big tech is a problem. You got a bunch of people on the left too saying big tech is a problem. Now, again, for different reasons, but if we can come together and actually get something done about that, that would be a big accomplishment. It would, Uh, by the way, amongst the people that are alarmed by Donald Trump's pervasive banning, uh, the leaders of Brazil, Mexico, Australia, Germany, the European Union officials have all came up and said, wait a second, you're kidding. This is dangerous. And the Brazilian leader said, I live in a world where Donald Trump is banned and Maduro is able to be in good standing with Twitter, Facebook, Google and everybody else. And Amazon, by the way. There's something wrong here. And I think you just said that. Uh, Lonnie, it's going to be an interesting next chapter in the Republican Party because I'm not saying that Donald Trump won't be there, but I just don't see him as the face of the Republican Party after January 20th. And it's going to be very curious to see who emerges. I appreciate it. Take care. We come back. Your call is 1-866-408-7669. Then Senator Rick Scott on what he expects the Senate to do about another impeachment. Challenging conventional thought and wisdom. You're with Brian Kilmeade. New from the Fox News Podcasts Network. My name is Kennedy, and welcome to my podcast, which will, I humbly say, single-handedly save the world. You're welcome. It's Kennedy Saves the World. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. He's so busy, he'll make your head spin. It's Brian Kilmeade. 74 million supported President Trump. They're a huge, important part of our country. They're part of the conservative movement, but more importantly, they're Americans. And after the election, we have a history of coming together. We need to do that. 
and trying to distance uh, everybody who supported President Trump is not helpful for healing our country, for addressing the issues of the coronavirus, and having a peaceful transition, which is critical to our country. So now this endless, tedious debate is taking place on Capitol Hill in the House. Terrible thing that happened last week. I don't need to go over it again. Investigations are everywhere. FBI is all over it. It's going to be a high-level security apparatus put in place on the inauguration. I get it. But this is a colossal waste of time. Uh, Please tell me how this helps you get a vaccine. Brian, listening in Michigan. Hey, Brian. I actually don't think it uh, helps me get a vaccine, but I think people are missing the big picture. And uh, I think that the Democrats are using the uh, events at the Capitol as a crisis to work, and and big tech is in on this, and Schumer with his no-fly list to basically control or squelch public opinion or opposition to future sweeping legislation. Good point. Great point. Uh, Gabriel, Fox News app, Kenosha, Wisconsin. Gabriel. Hey, good morning, Brian. Um, Yeah, no, the impeachment, I'll agree with you, is an absolute waste of time, honestly. And I think it's just a power grab to oppose opposition. But I will say that, like, the Republicans up there that are supporting impeachment, I'm sorry, but it's not about public – like, it's not about publicity. It's not about being popular. It's about sacrificing and doing the right thing as an actual leader. That's what leadership actually is, and I served in the Marine Corps. I know what it is, and it's just – it's honestly, it's appalling, and I think more Republicans and more conservatives need to grow a pair and stand up for doing the right thing and sacrifice as leaders instead of just going for what's popular and actually standing up for in the what, right give, thing. Give me an example of right what thing. you would do. Personally, I would go against the impeachment. For one, if I was in that office, I would say that freedom of speech is freedom of speech, and you cannot blame the actions of the individuals based on the words of the president. Thanks for your service, Gabriel. Unfortunately, I have to end it there. I appreciate it. Great points. Senator Rick Scott is next. I'm going to talk to him about what about some of the president's longtime friends and allies uh, leaving his side. Will he be one of them? We'll find out. Fox Nation presents podcasts, Women of the Bible Speak. I'm Shannon Bream, host of Fox News at Night and author of the new book, Women of the Bible Speak, the wisdom of 16 women and their lessons for today. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, foxnewspodcast.com, or wherever you download your podcasts. Information you want. Truth you demand. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. To be able to defeat somebody, you have to have a counterforce, a counter leader. Who's that leader? Who's going to stand up to Donald Trump on a regular basis other than Mitch McConnell that would have the sort of clout that it would take to be able to push him back? And I think that's what's one of, one of the things going through McConnell's mind. And by the way, Liz Cheney's mind. Uh, pay a lot of attention to her. She's somebody who could yeah. be the next speaker yeah. of the House for Republicans, or at least party leader. Obviously, her father has deep roots, uh, deep roots in the in the in the party. They have an ability to raise a lot of money, so it matters that the two of them have essentially uh, unofficially tag teamed to try to take Trump out. Uh, Jim Banhai of, uh, of MSNBC. 
Uh, I think he is still with Playbook, or now he went over to Axios, or he was anyway. So that was his insider knowledge. Uh, McConnell has said that, he, according to Axios and the New York Times, 50-50 chance he votes for impeachment. Senator Rick Scott joins us now, Senate Homeland Security and Armed Services uh, Committee member. Uh, Senator, welcome back. So are you 50-50? Ryan, I think, you know, I've been up in D.C. for two years, and the place is just full of hate. Um Think about this. We have a new president in seven days. Impeachment does nothing to help American families come together or help American families to bring our country together. You know, we need to slow down and start acting like adults and say, let's act in whatever is the best interest of the country. It's like it's like reality TV up there. The Democrats have their hate and they're going to do everything they can do to hurt Republicans. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to try to bring the rhetoric down. I don't think it's helpful when Joe Biden goes out and says, oh, I want unity, and then he calls his opponents Nazis. So I just don't see how the impeachment is going to help American families, but we'll see what the House does. And if they do, then you know we'll see what happens in the Senate. Well, I tell you, you know the House is going to pass the impeachment. They're going through this tedious process of just talking at each other. Uh, probably not many people are watching. The impeachments come way too easy. So when it's done, what kind of uh, notification have you gotten about your next Senate session? Right now, when's the next time you're back, supposed to be back in the chamber? Uh, next Tuesday. So we'll, we'll get there the, the 19th. I'm going to go to the inauguration uh, on the 20th. Um, so, But we don't know what we're going to be working on. If I was, if I was Joe Biden, what I'd be focused on is, you know, his agenda, getting his uh, individuals, uh, cabinet members uh, confirmed. But, you know, what what the Democrats are going to do is they're, they're going to continue to have all this hate and rhetoric. Uh, so I'm, I'm the new chair of the NRSC. What I'm focused on is, one, I'm going to show what is the difference between a Republican and a Democrat. If you like high taxes, if you like government running your life, you want them to tell you what health care to have, you want government-run health care socialism, you ought to go out and be all in for the Democrats. But if you actually want freedom and liberty, more jobs, school choice, funding the police, you ought to be voting for Republicans. So that that's what I'm doing. I'm, I'm you know doing everything I can to make sure we raise dollars, we have great candidates, and we take back the majority in 22. Why did you lose Georgia? You were there day one. You knew how important it was. I know Tom Cotton was there right after you or right before you. Uh, Lindsey Graham over and over again. Money poured in. How did you guys lose those two seats? You know, uh, the um, I mean, the, it's it's terrible what happened. The you know the Democrats had a really good grassroots, um, and they you know they worked they worked hard. What I've learned in my races, I've had you know. Uh, for you know, gen- uh, primary and three general elections in Florida, you've got to do everything well. You've got to you do have to raise your money. You've got to run your ads. You've got to have a great grassroots program. Um, you've got to have a message of why what the differences are. I think one thing we really have to make sure people know: wh- why are you voting for this person or that person? And you, and you have to make it very, very clear: high taxes, low taxes, the big government. The smaller government, more option, more freedom, less freedom, stronger military, less military. So it's a, I think it's a it's a clear choice, and we just got to get out there, got to get out there and do it every day. It, it's horrible what happened uh, in uh, in Georgia, but I'm going to work hard uh, to make sure we get a uh, we you know we get a 
and get a majority back. I mean, look, I, look at what the Democrats are saying. They're going to pack the Supreme Court. They're going to end the filibuster. They're going to chip away at our First and Second Amendment rights. I mean, they're bankrupt in this country. I mean, we've got 20, over 27 trillion dollars worth of debt now. We've got to start acting responsibly. And but we've got to we've got to define the Democrats versus the Republicans. Well, one thing to get out of debt is to be able to work for it, but we're not allowed to work in, in most states now because of the pandemic, which is real. But so are different policies that could help us get out of this pandemic. Number one, expediting the vaccine. Number two, being able to work responsibly through it. And guess who wants to put uh, his people back to work? Listen to Governor Andrew Cuomo. We simply cannot stay closed until the vaccine hits critical mass. The cost is too high. We must reopen the economy, but we must do it smartly and safely. Did, did someone load up his prompter with Donald Trump's speeches? <laughs> yeah, I know. About time. I, I guess the election's over, so now he can now he can try to get people back to work because it's true. I mean, look at what Pelosi did. I mean, she 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 slowed down you know any any relief efforts uh, to try to get the economy going uh, to try to help Biden win the election. Um, if you, if you look at Cuomo, I got elected when he got elected back in 2010. He's he's killed his economy the whole time. I mean, I've, I competed with him. Um, you know, I, I lower taxes, he raised taxes. I reduced regulation, he increased regulation. I recruited businesses, he he pushed businesses out of his state. And you know, that's why he looks at so many people are moving to Florida now. Uh, so, but you know, he and, and by the way, his budget per person is double Florida's. I mean, he can't. He cannot live within his budget, and he keeps borrowing money. That's why people keep leaving New York. So, uh, if I feel so sorry for the people of New York, and that I feel so sorry for the small businesses that haven't been able to open. Um, uh, so, you know, they're, that's why they're going to just keep coming to places like Texas and Florida. They're going to keep moving where they have opportunity. People want to work. They want to have the. They want to live the dream. I'm a kid that grew up in public housing. I want to. I want to have a chance to live the dream. That's what people want. They're like me. Couple of things. There's one thing that you and Rick Perry were doing simultaneously, and that was recruiting people to get to your state. And Georgia yeah. was doing the same thing. And in the end, it, it not in your case, in Texas' case, but it's getting close. You're bringing a lot of Democrats to your state who go in as Democrats and then change your state. The policies that end up getting implemented or close to getting implemented are the ones they left. What could be done about that? Do you think you over-recruited? Did you think Rick Perry over-recruited to Texas? Are they paying the price? You know, Brian, I think people agree with this, but you have to go talk to them. You know, I win the Hispanic vote in my state as an example. The reason I do is I go talk to them. Um, you know, the I go I go explain um, what we're trying to do. And you know what? Everybody, everybody, when I talk to people, they agree with me. They want they want. Be self-sufficient means they want a job. They want their kids to have a good school, so they want school choice. They want they want safe neighborhoods. That means they want to fund the police. Uh, they know that we have to have a strong military, but we you know we have to go talk to everybody, and that's what I did, and that's how I won. And but I'm I'm optimistic that as people move to these states. They understand why they're leaving. They understand why they're leaving California and Illinois and New York, and they, they're getting away from places that you know can't build roads. And uh, I mean, I heard a story today from somebody that moved from California. They can't even they can't even tear down their house and build a new house. I mean, you have to go through. I know, but they're still coming to your state with their same values in many cases. Is there a, is there something that can be done for that, or is just fifty states go wherever you want? Well, I think that I think people should be able to move wherever they want, but I think it's incumbent upon Republicans to say, "Look, this is what you get 
I mean, you get Andrew Cuomo if you if that's what you if you look for Andrew Cuomo again in the state that you move into, like like Florida, then you're going to get to New York again. So I think it's we've got to explain it. Uh, and that's one thing I'm going to do as the chair of the National Republican Central Committee is, committee is I'm going to explain this is the difference. And so when you vote. You're voting for these policies, and that's how you win elections, by explaining the difference. Right. Americans agree with this. His banks agree with this. We've got to go talk to them. I know, but, Senator, I'm telling you, this is the same rhetoric, and it didn't work in Georgia. And it's uh, a lot of these states are turning purple because people are running from the states they screwed up. Uh, just real quick, on big tech, Glenn Greenwald weighed in. As you know, he's a left-wing journalist, but pretty dogged guy. Uh, He's seeing what big tech is doing and did to Donald Trump, and he's noting the rest of the world is horrified, even some of Donald Trump's enemies. Cut 29. The amazing thing is that in the wake of Twitter and Facebook's ban of President Trump, you had numerous democracies around the world who have no love loss for Donald Trump. Quite the contrary. Chancellor Angela Merkel in Germany, the president of Mexico, French ministers who came out and said, this is extremely dangerous that Silicon Valley is anointing itself the world media that controls and is more powerful than other democracies because they know that's coming for their democracies as well. Senator, it's a matter of time before you, the Tom Cottons of the world, the Rick Ron DeSantis of the world, true conservatives who want to speak out, uh, you're going to get suspended too. I mean, are you worried yeah. about what's I mean, happening right now? Or are you just thinking, well, oh, that's Trump? Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, look, they, they, they block conservatives, but they let Maduro and Venezuela and Xi and China and the Ayatollah say whatever they want. I mean, talk about genocide, talk about killing Jews, you know, all these things. And so th- there's there will be a day of reckoning with these companies because you can't do that. And whether it, it's the elimination of the, of the Section 230 or it's a requirement to uh, that they have to live by their own rules, everybody lives by the same rule. I mean, something's going to happen because you can't keep – they can't do this and expect nothing to happen to them. And lastly, how are you going to vote if the impeachment comes to Senator Rick Scott of Florida? How are you going to vote? Well, look, I, look Donald Trump – first off, what happened to Capitol is horrible. What happened – the fact that we lost – I'm sorry. Law enforcement is terrible. Uh, the president should have responded faster. He didn't. But, I mean, you know, the left tries to say that he incited all this. I mean, I haven't seen it. But look, if anything that comes to the Senate floor, I take my time, I listen to it, but I, I haven't seen it. Um, I haven't seen that, that that's what the, pre- that the president you know, told these people to go uh, you know, um, break into the Capitol. Uh, I was there. I didn't like what happened. It's disgusting for our country. I hope everybody that did it uh, is, you know, is prosecuted to the full extent of the law. But you know, in, in this job, you, you, you listen to everything, everything that's presented. But I just don't see how impeachment is good for this country. I don't, I don't get what, what the benefit is. So it's not a definite no. I don't, Brian. If, if you ask me right now, based on what I what I've seen, I don't. I, how could I vote for impeachment? I have mean, been. The president should have talked faster, right? He should have said something. Say, don't do it faster. But what I've watched, I haven't seen anything that's impeachable. But you know, you know, we'll see what they what they send over. But I sure haven't seen it. Uh, no one's told you how to vote, right? No, no, no one's going to tell me how to vote. Okay. I mean, I mean, I represent the people of Florida. I mean, I mean, nobody gets to tell me how to vote. I, you know, I, I represent, I represent the citizens of my state, and I'm going to continue to represent the citizens of my state, and I'm going to do what's right. Senator Rick Scott, you got your hands full. Busy day uh, as the impeachment proceedings are going ahead, and we think this afternoon it's going to be official. The president of the United States will be the only one impeached twice by the House. Uh, thanks, Senator. 
All right, thanks. See you, Brent. You got it. one 408 We'll find out if there's more to know and get your calls in just a moment. Newsmakers and newsbreakers. Hear it first, only on The Brian Kilmeade Show. With Fox News Podcasts Plus, you can enjoy all your favorite Fox News podcasts without commercials. Subscribe now at foxnewspodcasts.com. More to know. Sponsored by Oxford Gold Group. Call 833-600-GOLD to secure your retirement. And here's some big news for all of us here in Southern California. It was just announced that Disneyland will become a mass COVID-19 vaccination site. Yes. Oh, why not? I trust my health care to a couple of mice, a dog, and a duck without pants. The vaccine <laughs> is free, but the water is going to set you back $23. Although I will uh, say this, and I want to be very, very clear about this. Getting a vaccination is literally the only reason for adults to be at Disneyland without children. Yeah, I agree, but nobody else in my life agrees with that. Uh, James Corden weighing in, but that's what's it's so sad what's happening at Disney in Anaheim. It's been dead since March, totally closed. In Orlando, I think they're back to normal, but it's amazing, too, that we're looking at vaccination sites just now in these places that can handle big crowds. Why did this not occur to people before? I have no idea. I think everyone asking that same exact question makes zero sense. Yeah, but they are doing it. My hope is we start hitting our marks. America doesn't need to fail again. The testing was a failure. The speed in which we're done, controlling the pandemic. The election has so many doubters. The vaccine was so quick. Can we please pick up the pace and and pick up the slack? Next. John McCain movies in the works. I've already seen a John McCain movie. It was really good. I guess we're doing another. Cindy McCain has teamed up with Mark Salter and a film based is called The Luckiest Man, Life with John McCain. The team behind the project is called The First and Most Comprehensive Depiction of McCain's Life. John's story is an incredible heroism, heroism and serving causes greater than his, life, uh, uh, than his own self-interest. There is no better time to tell it. What do you think? I think it'll be interesting. I think I definitely would watch it. Yeah, I would say this. He also has some controversy. His wife waited for him through all the time in prison. He ends up divorcing, cheating on her for a while, starting another family. They felt abandoned. He writes about that in his book. And then trying to live up to his dad and his grandfather. I agree. I feel like a lot of um, maybe more people on the left are going to hope the movie's going to focus more on his later years, right? And like going against Trump, whereas I think his whole life story is should be great for every American. Maybe. Uh, a couple other things I want to uh, I want to uh, get to next. Betty White. I was just wondering. I was hoping she's okay. Evidently, she is prepping for her 99th birthday party. She says the key is having a sense of humor. The positive side is a lot more fun. I don't like the other side. No one loves fun more than White. Born in 1922 in Illinois, she first dreamt of becoming a forest ranger, but women weren't allowed to be rangers at the time. The Forest Ranger, uh, Forest Service loss was Hollywood's gain. Obviously, she started married Tyler Moore. Uh, she uh, she took turns as the homemaker. Uh, Sue Ann Nivens there. She was great. And sweet Roseanne Nyland on The Golden Girls. Uh, where was she before that? I know she married uh, Jack Ludden. I could not tell you that. Alan Ludden. Okay. On Password. You didn't watch that? I did not. No, my yeah. apologies. But yeah, she's just having, she's just turning 99 on Sunday. She's not having a party. Let's not have a big party for a 99-year-old. That wouldn't be good. Why? COVID. Oh. 
I forgot. Seriously? I, I, just thought, I thought it was bad luck or something. You know. Next. Ozark and The Office lead the Nielsen 2020 streaming ratings. It is on 24 hours in my house. I don't think I've seen the same episode twice, by the way. Ozark is on Netflix. Lucifer on Netflix is second, followed by The Crown and then Tiger King. Uh, well, the Office is on. Um, the Office is also on Netflix. I see. Yeah. So, like Ozark, Lucifer, their original series compared to The Office, which is just an acquired series, right? That was originally on broadcast. Right. You're so right. The re-aired. more you, the more you watch The Office, it's so funny every time. And they're afraid to bring it back because they say it would be so politically incorrect. They feel like they would be in trouble all the time. But that's why it's so funny because they actually say jokes. Next, Signal has become the number one app in the country. 1.3 million downloads. Private messaging app Signal holds that position because WhatsApp evidently is giving up all their material. The app garnered all these followers now. Quote, we estimate that Signal has been installed in 63.1 million homes in its lifetime. Signal has been breaking its own daily download record since Saturday. All about uh, WhatsApp and exposure and confidentiality. Correct? So say you. Yes. Absolutely. All right. Hey, uh, thanks so much for listening. Always get the show, BrianKillmeShow.com. You get our podcast on iTunes, on Spotify, on iHeart. And, of course, you can always watch us on Fox Nation. Living the Bream is a podcast hosted by Fox News Channel's Shannon Bream, sharing inspirational stories, personal anecdotes, and an insider's perspective on actions and rulings from the high court. Subscribe and listen now by going to FoxNewsPodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News. Live from the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox and Friends, it's America's receptive voice, Brian Kilmeade. Hi, everyone. Brian Kilmeade coming to you from New York City, heard around the country, heard around the world. Brian Kilmeade Show. The great author, I Dalla, will be with us at the bottom of the hour, giving us heads, and heads up and insight onto impeachment and how the president uh, is or is not culpable. We know this currently, uh, history being made, because for the first time in the history of our country, and I believe according to records, uh, we're talking about uh, 1790, we start with this government and this Congress and this Constitution. We are looking at a president being impeached twice, and the House is debating it back and forth, but we know it's all, all but done. question is how many Republicans will vote for it. Last time, none did. So we'll cover some of those events if it becomes significant. But right now, it's just a bunch of people talking at each other. It is tedious. So let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. The hospitals made sense as the early distribution sites when the focus was on health care workers. But they are not where most Americans go to get vaccines. States should move on. That is Alex Azar, vaccine push, lowering the age, broadening the criteria, prioritizing seniors and teachers, which should mean kids are going back to school, right? Not according to the unions who are demanding kids get shots. The problem, the FDA says kids should not get shots yet. Number two. I think that big tech is doing a horrible thing for our country and to our country, and I believe it's going to be a catastrophic mistake for them. They're dividing and divisive. Uh, there you go. Tech crackdown on President Trump. YouTube suspends the president for seven days as Parler fights for his life. And two more mammoth corporations pull their support for Republicans. Trump is defiant, as you just heard, fighting back. And we all should be alarmed at what big tech is doing. 
number one. People close to McConnell took it a step further last night with Mike Allen and said there's a better than 50-50 chance that he would vote, not just that he supports impeachment, that he would vote to convict, that he would oust the president of the United States from his party, from politics for good, because he wouldn't be able to run for president again. Impeachment 2.0, out of bounds as President Trump is almost out of time. But stunningly, this time, Republicans are joining Dems in some cases, looking to push him out, including Mitch McConnell, perhaps? What a colossal, risky waste of valuable time. Better spend elsewhere, uh, for example, on the pandemic and on the people, and maybe getting Joe Biden ready to take over in just one week. one 408 so we'll see. We might be having John Roberts uh, from the Capitol. We'll see if he calls in. But in the meantime, let me update you on what is happening. Uh, we're seeing these two sides spar back and forth, not really directly, but see Jim Jordan get up two or three times. So far, we have a Democrat, Republicans who have committed to vote for impeachment. And it is Liz Cheney, very significant, the second most powerful person uh, on the Republican side, third most. And you got to wonder if that this is an outright war with with. Um, with Kevin McCarthy, because Kevin McCarthy is somebody that said, I'm for censure, but vote with your conscience. Stephen Scalise is kind of invisible, but Liz Cheney with a lot of power. Adam Kinzinger, he came out right away. He wanted the president to resign. You knew that wasn't happening. Uh, Fred Upton, John Katko, and Herrera Butler of Washington, Republicans voting against the president. When it gets to the Senate, if it does, and it shouldn't, Romney, Sass, and Murkowski all going to vote against it. The question is, what about Mitch McConnell voting against it? What will that show? And it's pretty significant uh, because Mitch McConnell is somebody that has stood by the president, made sure that senators did stand by the president. He only lost Mitt Romney last time, and you know he lost Mitt Romney again. Will it actually get there? John Roberts joins us from Washington. John, I just saw you on television. You were saying, you know, it's kind of odd. We're not hearing from the president because he's been social media stifled. Yeah, I mean, we're back to the old days. Uh, remember in the Bush administration, the only way that you could, uh, which was the last White House that I covered prior to this one, the only way you could get information out was either to put out an email or a piece of paper, as they did it back then, or for the president to go before the cameras and make a statement. Uh, you know, President Trump went before the cameras a lot, but clearly he used social media in its various forms to get the message out. Uh, he's been shut down on all of those fronts, so the only thing that he can do right now is either just sit back and silently watch what's going on or call the press pool to the Oval Office or some other room or come out to the briefing room and say his piece. Uh, the, you know, he could he could maybe use Dan Scavino's uh, Twitter address as he has in, in the past, but uh, you know, it's possible that Twitter might slam the door shut on that one. I know the other day he used the official POTUS account, which is a government account, to tweet something out on Friday night. Twitter removed those tweets. They didn't shut down the, the account because it's a government account. But they are watching him like a hawk. And anything that he puts out on any uh, social media platform, unless it's one of these fringe social media platforms, which he's likely not going to use, is going to get scrutiny immediately and potentially taken down. So, Can you believe you're you know, saying, John, can you believe what you're saying, what you just said? I mean, no, do, do you believe it? I mean, we, are in, we are in times that I've, I've never seen before. I mean, you know, maybe there was something similar to this back in the 1800s when there wasn't particularly a good relationship between the White House and Capitol Hill or even, you know, among the various factions on, on Capitol Hill. Uh, such that you had, you know, senators being caned by members of the House. But, uh, you know, Brian, I'm, 
in, in, in modern history, I've never seen anything like this. It's, it's just crazy. So the Brazilian president and his son came out and said, you know, basically, they put the president's picture up on their site. They, they are astounded this is happening. The Mexican president uh, is also upset with voting, uh, votes of support. You had Angela Merkel very concerned, so certain officials yeah, in McCormick, France. Michael McCormick, the prime minister of Australia. Of, uh, of Australia, saying that he doesn't believe in this sort of censorship. So. You know, the president does have some support here that, you know, the most powerful leader in the world is having his voice stifled. And um, you've got world leaders looking at it saying that this is the wrong thing to do for a private company to, to take this sort of action against the president. But you know what? Just after what happened last week here in the United States, the view uh, among these social media companies is quite different than it is among world leaders. And, and you know, frankly, Brian, I mean, you know, they probably wanted to do this for an awfully long time and just now have had the reason to do it. But here's something really funny is, is that uh, a senior staff member of the White House told me that if they had have done this to the president on Twitter back in April or May, he might have won. <laughs> <laughs> I know, uh, you know, because I, you know, I think for the for the president, his worst month ever was really from November fifth to January fifth. Excuse me, yeah, November fifth to worst two months, November fifth to January fifth. The way yeah. he's acted, the way he's handled it, it blew two Senate elections, and it actually blew his legacy because. He could have taken about does some reflective interview with John Roberts in Washington and said, "Look, I'm I'm probably going to be back. I'm very proud of my first four years. I'll li- I'll give you 20 things that I've done that no one predicted was possible, and um and I control the party." And he just chose not to do it. I believe with every fiber of his being, he believes he was robbed. Do you believe that uh, you he know, believes the, the it? Only, the only advice that he was listening to was Rudy Giuliani, Jenna Ellis, and John Eastman, a uh, constitutional attorney, who all said that, you know, you've got a chance to turn this thing back. The vice president does have the authority to unilaterally reject or accept uh, the votes of the electors. And, and, you know, none of it was true. The president never had a, a chance to overturn the election. The vice president did not have the authority to do it, nor was he going to, and he made that very clear. And yet, All of these supporters were sold a bill of goods that something was going to happen on the 6th that was going to overturn the results of the election and that President Trump would get another four years. That was never going to happen. And I have spoken to so many Republicans who are upset that so many supporters of the Republican Party and the president were misled about this whole thing and that the voice of reason was squelched by these other people who were close to the president telling him, no, 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 you can do it, you can do it, you can do it. And he wanted to believe that group. And, and now this is where we are as a result of that. Here is what he said yesterday. Now, Kevin McCarthy said he had a, you know, the reporting was, that they had a they had a uh, a very direct conversation on Monday. The minority leader in the, in the house, sort of mildly. So, is that what your reporting said too? And at which time he walked away saying to the president, he walked away saying that the president does see his role in the in the riots on last Wednesday, but the president denied that. Here he is. Well, cut, yeah. well I just want you to let the audience hear this. Cut one. So if you read my speech, and many people have done it, and I've seen it both uh, in the papers and in the media, on television, uh, it's been analyzed, and people thought that what I said was totally appropriate. And if you look at what other people have said, politicians at a high level, 
about the riots during the summer, the horrible riots in Portland and Seattle and various other other places. That was a real problem, what they said. So he he has no problem. So he kind of contradicted McCarthy on that. Yeah. Now, the one the one part of that that he, he has got right is is when you look at what Democrat politicians said about what was taking place across the country during the summer and the rioting and the looting and, and what members of the liberal media were saying about it, too. Uh, you know, if not outright condoning it, they were certainly giving it a pass. Now, what happened at the Capitol building is of a completely different degree. But, you know, at the same time, we saw rioting and looting that, that was that, that people made excuse, people in high positions made excuses for. And, and I think that that's unconscionable as, as well. You know, there was there was no room for violence and looting and insurrection in this in this nation, regardless of which political party you are, you are supporting. So right now taking place is more that tedious testimony. Both sides get up uh, and they and the end they'll vote in a simple majority will uh, vote Donald Trump impeached for the first time in history a second time. Yeah. Right now we have about five Republicans. I just watch. Uh, I just I just watched the Wall Street Journal's um, Dan Henniger come out and say he expects it like 20. What are you hearing? Uh, the the um, the White House is exp- well, they knew that the, they actually got the count correct last night. I spoke with the senior administration official who said that on on this measure of, you know, the 25th Amendment or go ahead with impeachment. Uh, this person told me five, and it was five. Now, on the vote to uh, approve or not approve the uh the article of impeachment, which will be taken later on today, they're expecting it could be 10 to 20 and maybe as many as 24, 25. And the problem, though, is, Brian, is then you go to the Senate, right? And the Senate doesn't come back until the 19th because of the rules. The earliest the Senate could start a trial would be at 1 o'clock on the 20th, an hour after the president's already left office. So you've got some constitutional scholars who were saying that it's invalid, it's unconstitutional for there to be a trial in the Senate after the president leaves office. You've got some historical precedent at lower office holders to suggest that, yes, you could go ahead, but then then you've got the Biden administration coming in and Senate business is going to be taken up, and Chuck Schumer will be the majority leader at that point. You've got the Senate's business taken up with confirmations. Biden was asking, well, could we do impeachment in the morning and confirmations in the afternoon? There's a chance that that whole thing is going to derail the incoming Biden administration. So then do you, as uh, Congressman James Clyburn of South Carolina suggested, wait 100 days. Well, if you're going to wait 100 days to, to make sure that President Trump can never run for re-election, you're losing a lot of the moral high ground on that front. So I don't, I don't know where this thing is going to go, but we do know that Mitch McConnell thinks that impeachment may not be a bad idea as a way of erasing President Trump from the Republican Party. I, I think that he has lost. You know, he hasn't lost support among his rank and file supporters, but he has lost so much support among the senior party leadership uh, outside of the RNC that uh, there there may be a move to try to just kind of elbow him aside. So Michael, but, but, but then, but then, yeah. sorry to keep going on this. But then we have the possibility that in 2024 you're going to have the Republican Party and then you're going to have the MAGA Party as, as well because they are they continue to be a political force in this nation. And you would just think a guy like Mitch McConnell, who is so street smart politically, who always put personality aside, is unflappable, would say, okay, there's a way to do this in which I don't have to alienate the people that voted for him, even though he might personally not like 
the president. But if he votes against him, if he puts this impeachment up for a vote, if they do this in 100 days, if they do it uh, the, in January, that's exactly what will happen. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and again, you could see the Republican Party splinter. That's what's at stake, and I, I don't think he helped it. And it's very rare for Mitch McConnell to not be two steps above or two steps above everybody's uh, thought process. But I think this is what's happened. A lot of people were rattled, John, and I think you would back me up on this because their personal security was breached. Yeah, you know, you, you initially, you know, the the Trump crowd has up until last Wednesday been relatively nonviolent. I mean, there have been some confrontations yeah. between groups like the Proud Boys and Antifa uh, at, you know, in, in, in some other cities around America. But for the most part, they, they have been the protesters of law and order. They're, they're noisy and they're boisterous, but they don't break the law. So I think when they started marching on Capitol Hill, the Capitol Police thought, well, they'll come up to the edge of the Capitol, and they'll chant, and they'll say their slogans and whatever, and they'll show their support for the president, and that'll be it. But when this group of people who looked like they were prepared to do it broke into the Capitol and started doing the things that they were doing, all bets were were off the table. And, you know, they were running through the halls of the Capitol yelling, uh, hang Pence. And what would have happened if they had have come across the vice president? God forbid. There would obviously would have been a I conversation with his Secret Service detail. What if they had have found Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez? You know, despite what you think, you think of her, her politics, you know, that could have been a very dangerous situation. And what might have happened to her? You know, I, I think that some members of Congress were mm-hmm. right to fear for their lives. And that's exactly what happened. And, and to right. see that happen in America is just a travesty. Absolutely. It's going to be a wild week next week. John Roberts, thanks so much. Appreciate it. There's no there's no hit like another hit. Every time you come on, there's something extraordinary happening. Appreciate it. All right. Thanks. All right. Uh, John Roberts, great. one 408 From New York to North Carolina to Tennessee uh, to Connecticut, we'll get to you all. You're with Brian Kilmeade. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. Download and listen to The One with Craig Gutfeld, the co-host of The Five, like you've never heard him before. You know him, you love him, you want to be like him. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. From his mouth to to your ears, ears, it's Brian Kilmeade. Here to announce that the city of New York is severing all contracts with the Trump Organization. Our legal team has done an assessment, and the contracts make very clear uh, if a company, the leadership of that company, is engaged in criminal activity, we have the right to sever the contract. Uh, inciting an insurrection. Let's be wow. clear. I'm going to say these words again. Inciting an insurrection against the United States government. That is the mayor of New York uh, saying that the president's engaged in criminal activity. Obviously, the president will fight that every step of the way. He's got a series of contracts from skating rinks to hotels in New York City that he runs for the city and and golf clubs. He was begged by Mike Bloomberg to fix this golf club in the Bronx, and he did. A, a record times, record price. Now it's got record attendance. At least it did. So uh, that is the mayor of just grandstanding. He's got so many other things to worry about. Get the vaccines out. Don't worry about who's running the skating rink. Unbelievable. Isabel in WABC in Brooklyn. Hey, Isabel. Good morning, Brian. Um, You know, aside from what happened, uh, I mean, from the president, I I think I take um, 
there were a lot of good people that went there last week, and I know a few of them um, personally. And there were so many people. The media has not reported how many people actually went. Now, to call all those people that went there, um, you know, like uh, the people who went to, you know, overthrow the government, that was not the case. So why are they, why is the continuing continuation of lumping those? You know what it is, Isabel? It's lazy. It's not telling the whole story. It's trying to label all those thousands, and it looks like a lot. But if you look at the size of the crowd he had at the White House, it was 10 to 20 times that size. Nobody expected that type of uh, setting. But he's got followers. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Ben Domenech, publisher of The Federalist, and I'm inviting you to join a new conversation with the smartest thinkers out there about the country and where we're going. Subscribe to the Ben Domenech Podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. A talk show that's real. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. I think the problem is that my Democratic colleagues have drafted an articles of impeachment that are flawed and that create ongoing issues with respect to what the definition of inciting a riot even is and would cause a slippery slope under uh, Article 3 of Section 4 uh, of the 14th Amendment that could actually cause us to be starting to shoot at each other in the, and tar- yeah. target each other in the House of Representatives uh, for inciting uh, insurrection. We need to do our job. The President of the United States should not have pressured the Vice President to ignore his constitutional duty to count the votes, to count the electors. I strongly believe that, and I think he was wrong to do it, and I think it is condemnable. I wish my Democratic colleagues had worked with us to draft better articles. And that is Chip Roy, Republican, and usually a supporter of the president, but was not for all these legal challenges in all these different states and was not for uh, the elector challenges because he said, listen, I'm looking at the ballots, and Republicans did great. So should I invalidate our gains in the House? Should I invalidate that we almost held on to the Senate when no one thought we could? Should I invalidate the 74 million votes that he got? That was his point, Republican, by the way. Right now, the impeachment hearings are going on on the Senate floor where these tedious talks take place. We all know the the Senate will, excuse me, the House will impeach him shortly. Uh, Arthur Idella joins us now, defense attorney. There's no legal case uh, there's no there's no area of the law in which he is not conversant. At least that's what he told me, and I read online uh, on Wikipedia. Uh, Arthur, well, con- conversant, conversant. I'll take conversant. Uh, yeah, expert. I won't take, but conversant. I'll take. Hey, Brian, how are you? Good. I mean, I know you don't do really impeachment things, but Alan Dershowitz says you're one of the smartest guys he's ever worked with. So right now, did Chip Roy have a good point that the articles of impeachment? Excellent. Uh, are a problem. I mean, I, I think I think he made an excellent point. I think the slippery slope part is 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 spot on. Let's let's just start off by saying, and Brian, in in uh, all honesty, I usually listen to your your show every morning. Today, I'm actually being a lawyer a little bit, so I haven't heard your whole hour and a half so far. But um, today is a sad day for America. No matter which side of the aisle you're on, no matter if you're on the far right or you're on the far left. This is not what's supposed to be taking place. And, you know, as I stand in my office, and I know you have a national audience, as I stand in my office here in midtown Manhattan, looking out the window, Brian, 
the New York City, I'm right by Times Square. Times Square is the heart of, of the world, really. It's the centerpiece of the world. It's the economic engine, this whole area. And it is deader than dead. And what I want my congresspeople and my senators to be working on is bringing America back. Yep. In my one-person humble opinion, what, what should have been done, and I agree with the congressman you just had on wholeheartedly uh, about – you know, Trump throwing up the election and saying it's not fair. And, well, what does that mean about the Republicans who won? Are they in there illegally, et cetera, et cetera? Um, I want my Congress people, what I would have loved to have seen them do is have a bipartisan declaration on the floor of the Congress saying that President Trump did not act properly in that speech and he saw he had a big right, a big crowd in front of him and he should have been more judicious in his comments. And then when he saw the train go off the tracks and then track running into the Capitol, he should have acted immediately, immediately to take to the airwaves and to Twitter and Facebook and everything that I think we're going to talk about in two minutes and say, stop this right now and condemn him publicly in the law. We call it a public censure and then get to the yep. work of the people to fix what just took place on the last, basically the the last year, and get people back to work. I mean, there's a guy who downstairs from my office who owns a bar, Brian, in right around where you and I work. He had ten of them a year ago, and he was just hitting it out of the park. And I spoke to him on Friday, and with tears in his eyes and his heart, he's like, "Art, I think you're going to have to find me a bankruptcy attorney." I laid off 85 people, and I'm I'm hurting. So, from a very personal. American point of view, I would like my government to be helping us in this desperate time, these unique times, and these articles of incorporation. If Trump took to the stand and said, I want you guys to storm the Capitol, I want you to take over government, well, then we would be having a very different conversation. It was like every other speech. It was like every other speech. He he gets people fired up. That's why they come out in 18 degree temperatures in Wisconsin at midnight. Uh, they like and of him. course he used the, he used the word peaceful, right? I mean, again, he only used it once, but he said, "I want you to peacefully go down there." And and uh, you know, it look the bottom bottom line is, I don't think, although by the letter of the law he could be impeached, I just don't think number one that this is the way to go. Um, number two, what's going to happen now? So he gets impeached. It's like in my world, the criminal world, some guy gets indicted, but then they say, "Well, you know what?" You know, we don't have enough time to do the actual trial. So so he's going to get impeached. He's going to be out of office. And then now they're going to have the trial because he's entitled to his day in court, right? He's entitled to have his voice. He's entitled to have his lawyers defend him and say what he said was not impeachable. What he said wasn't inciting a riot. What he said, he wasn't – his intent – his intent was not to go down there and have uh, people storm the Capitol. That's not what he was looking to do. So he's entitled to his day in court. You can't just indict an American citizen and then not allow them to rebut that indictment. And all we're doing from a very pragmatic point of view, Brian, because I know you're cut from the same cloth, is we're wasting the time yes. of the people. We're wasting the energy of the people in a unique time in American history where we need the government. We need their leadership to lead us out of this darkness and into the light with the, with the, with the vaccines that are coming out, with, God willing, some opening up of, of our economy. So people who are 11 million kids went to sleep last night in the United States of America, hungry, Brian, 
11 well, Arthur, million children in America went to bed hungry. But don't worry. That's what I want my government to work on. Joe Biden's going to give us $2,000. That'll be better, right? He should be talking yeah. about getting back to work, working with the vaccine. Florida and Texas is doing it. Yeah, they have numbers, but they're actually not flat on their back. People are starting to do this intelligently. And if the government, local government, can get together a formula that allows us to get these vaccines rapidly, and I hope they figure it out quickly. But I want to just aggravate you a little bit more, Arthur. I want you to hear what Governor Cuomo said yesterday that sounds, if he had done what he said yesterday, if he had done what he said yesterday eight months ago, you would not have your buddy who had uh, a, a number of bars out of work looking for bankruptcy. Listen to this. We simply cannot stay closed until the vaccine hits critical mass. The cost is too high. We must reopen the economy, but we must do it smartly and safely. Because they'll never reopen. No kidding. We've been saying that from day one. Let me work out. Tape off a treadmill. Let me go inside. Get plexiglass between the booths. Spread me out at the bar. Uh, Let me have half my staff. I'll rotate them in. Don't destroy me. And if you alleviate me paying rent, guess what? Landlords are people, too. They take out loans from banks. Uh, Those banks are not – they're still pressuring landlords. They're not terrible people. That's their investment. Absolutely, Brian. Absolutely. And look, my law firm represents several of the bar owners, my good buddies who have American whiskey on 30th Street, right out of the Long Island Railroad. Their whole customer base, right, was Madison Square Garden and the Long Island Railroad. They're both gone. They have nobody there. The landlord... You say, you say, guys, look, I like you guys. You always paid your rent on time, but I have a, I have to pay the bank. And if I default on the bank, now I, the landlord, go into default on this one building I own. And guess what? They're going to come after my own personal home where my wife and kids live. So it's this domino effect. Yep. Why we couldn't do this earlier, I don't know, Brian. But we have to get back to self preservation and responsibility for our own actions. So you open the bars and the restaurants and my dad, Louis Idala, who's 82 years old, he's going to stay home. He's going to have his son, Arthur, go to the supermarket. Like I used to do. He'd give me a list. I buy everything, drop it at his doorstep, give him a wave, a kiss, and he's going to eat at home. But Arthur, who's 53 and healthy, and my buddy, Joe, who's, who's 25 and healthy, let them go and, and live their lives cautiously and, and, yeah. and with care for others, for your fellow human beings. Yeah, Don't I, put anyone else. I mean, Brian, just so you know, I, practicing what I preach, my law firm has been open and fully operational job. basically through the whole time. And everyone's here with a suit and a tie, even though we're not going to court. But I told everyone we're going to look like lawyers. We're going to dress like lawyers. We're going to act like lawyers. And we're going to carry on because we're New York strong. And me in particular, Brian, I'm Brooklyn strong. So that takes right. things to a whole other level, Mr. Long Island. Right, yeah. Massape- I'm more Massapequa strong, which I'm not sure what that means. <laughs> uh, but I know I'm, going, I'm in Manhattan now and have been, and I'm just outraged about what's happening here with this terrible mayor. First off, real quick, this mayor just made an announcement. He's going to try to break all the contracts that Donald Trump's organization has from yes. the skating rinks to another the golf courses. Another, another waste like of time. But by the way, he says because he's a criminal. Now, that's going to be a legal fight, right? Well, I mean— I- Look, you know what I would really like to touch on, Brian, because I know you have a vast audience. I mean, look, I, to me, that these are these are just distractions. I know. These I just want your opinion. Can he do that? Counts. I think. Well, look, I think the city, depending on what it says inside the contract, 
there's usually some sort of morals clause, kind of just the way you have a contract where you yeah. your employer is. And they could say, well, I guess the city could say if the president or the Trump organization has so soiled its name in some fashion or another, the city is allowed to cut ties if that's what they think is in the best interest. What people forget is that that ice skating ring was about to go – was defunct. I think it was under the Mayor Koch's administration. They were about to eliminate it, and Donald Trump was the one who came in yeah. and put all the money in and actually fixed the thing. All right. But so really – let's talk about Twitter, buddy. Let's talk about Facebook. Let's so, talk about so, – So John Roberts was just on. You're not following my career as close as I thought, so I'm going to tell you what just I happened. I apologize, sir. I so, apologize. I know. I understand. You have your own life and family. Wait, the chief, wait you, you, you had the chief justice of the United States of America? No, so somebody more judge, important. John Roberts? The, the chief okay. uh, reporter in the White House. <laughs> House. So, so John Roberts is on. He says the president cannot communicate unless he wants to go into the press room, but he can't use Instagram, now can't use YouTube, he can't use Twitter, he can't use Facebook, he can't use Parler. Do you know that when he went to use the POTUS account, they quickly, Twitter quickly froze him out? If he puts a quote in Dan Scavino, his key aide, they quickly freeze it? Do you realize in America these social media companies have frozen the president? That has alarmed and, Germany, Brazil, and Australia. Those are just three of the names that have popped up now saying, what is going on in America? Tell me, Arthur. So the, Can, pe- the, the people in my life, in my immediate life, who are the most appalled by this is I have a lawyer in my firm who's an immigrant from Eastern Europe, and I have a, 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 a client who also immigrated from Eastern Europe. They are these heroes incensed you are. They're, they're apoplectic. They're like, we left. We left the censorship country to came, come here. They came as adults to come here where, where freedom exists. And that's been, I mean, they're, they're out of their minds. The problem is, Brian, by the letter of the law, by the letter of the law, they can do this. They are private companies. So the law needs to change. And that's how laws change. Marco Rubio, to his credit, he was the first one who said it. This is a monopoly. Uh, they equated it to the Bell telephone system, I don't know, 40 years ago when it was they were the only game in town and they broke up the Bell system. Well, guess what? Guess who came in who, who acknowledged that this is a problem? The attorney general of New York is leading the charge against Facebook. Letitia James, who's a Democrat and is far from a fan of Trump, and if I'm betting 20 bucks, her office will be trying to indict the Trump charity very shortly. But she has the every, I think every single attorney general in the United States of America has brought a lawsuit in the District of Columbia federal court against Facebook saying that they've created the monopoly, that anyone who seems to be a little bit of a competitor, they buy them out with so much money that they can't compete or they, they ice them out. And they are trying to de-powerize, uh, at the very least, Facebook. That's their first target. Um, the, right. ACLU, the ACLU has said they're very troubled by this, by Twitter's actions and Facebook's actions, but by the letter of the law, because they're a private company and the First Amendment only protects government entity, government from, from refraining your speech, not private entities from refraining your speech, it is legal. And these, this, these are the issues the legislators should be working on yes. today, how to fix these laws. Exactly. Uh, by the way, on Twitter right now, hashtag kill Trump, hashtag arrest Trump. On Twitter right now, right. pigs in a blanket, fry them like bacon. That's allowed. Uh, they also say, I hope all the Trump, uh, all Trump supporters die of COVID. That's allowed. 
but the president's yeah, not. So, horrible. listen, I, I don't love his tweets. I think he would have been better off tweeting a third as much as he did. But that is the way he built his following. Uh, and that is the— uh, By the way, that's the way he built Twitter. I mean, he took Twitter to another stratosphere, by the way. They should be kissing his, his shoes. Right. Thanks I mean, for saying shoes. I mean, Thank you for saying shoes. Right. Arthur, I have, I have to go. Like, I know you're fired up. I feel bad I because your client wants that energy for for defense, and you gave it all to me and my audience. I gave it all to you. Two things, Brian. Stay healthy, and most importantly, stay handsome. All right. It's going to be hard uh, hard not to be handsome, and I'm going to try even harder I know, I know. to stay healthy. Go get him, Martha. God bless you, buddy. All right. And we know Arthur's 53. We know everything about Arthur now. <laughs> There's nothing we don't know. We know that he does not drink enough whiskey to keep his friend in business, sadly. Back with all your calls in just a moment. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. A radio show like no other. It's Brian Kilmeade. Obviously, there are a lot of negative things going on, so instead I want to talk about something positive. My COVID test. (laughs) Positive. Uh, Yeah, so I tested positive before the holidays. Uh, I'm all fine now. Everything's good. I'm all clear. Um, I want to thank everyone who reached out with kind words of support. Um, I wish I could have hugged each and every one of you. That would have been dangerous and illegal, probably. Uh, So Ellen had uh, the virus, huh? She did, apparently. She was getting her hair and makeup done, and her assistant came in and said, oh, your test came back positive. you got to (laughs) go. Wow. So they had to send the audience home. So the audience that was there on her first show back was actually the audience from that day. This was to be a big day of giveaways. Yeah, anyway. she's got a rehabber. That's a long time ago, but they were all over her for a while. They were. Uh, Jerry, who's on WVGA in Georgia. Hey, Jerry. Hi, uh, Carrie. Um, I want to respond to your uh, interview with Rick Scott. Yep. I'm a, I'm a Trump supporter, and but I need to define that. I'm a conservative Republican who for the last five to ten years has been pulled away from calling myself a Republican but a constitutionalist uh, independent type. But I'm still a Republican. Uh, I agree with everything Rick Scott said, and Kelly Leffer agreed with everything that uh, Rick Scott said. But those two people cannot answer, answer a direct question. Uh, yeah, I did ask him directly. He says he right what he knows right now, he would not vote for impeachment. Well, but he really he's, – he's hedging. He's hedging a little bit. Kelly Leffer would not answer a question. If he's responsible for turning the Senate in two years from now, he's going to fail. He's failing right now. I'm going to tell you, when I heard Mitch McConnell is a maybe, uh, in my mind, I, I mean, they, I'm angry as I can be right now. Terry, I'll now, tell you I'm what. Kelly was not – she's like a nice person, terrible candidate. Terrible candidate. You've been so much better off with Doug Collins. I don't know what the heck happened over there. Your governor picking her was the, his first wrong move. He would have won. Thanks, Terry. Scott, WRCN, Long Island. Scott. I'm just wondering – I'm just wondering, the people that say that Trump shouldn't be impeached, do you think there should be any consequences for his actions? Absolutely. Censure him would be perfect with a week left, actually less than a week. Do you want to spend the first? If you're the biggest Joe Biden fan of the world, the last thing you want to do is sit there and be delayed with your agenda while they try to hurt the president that had the job before. It makes no sense. Nobody benefits. The 
Fox News Rundown, a contrast of perspectives you won't hear anywhere else. Your daily dose of news twice a day. Featuring insight from top newsmakers, reporters, and Fox News contributors. Listen and subscribe now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.